Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And I want to welcome you to today's edition of Calvary Live. I'm your host, Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado, and I'm here to take your questions and your prayer requests. You just heard that number that you can call in and ask a question or give that prayer request, and that is 303-690-3000. So I'd love to talk with you, and we got all open lines right now, and so grab one of those open lines, and as soon as the calls come in, we'll go to those calls and talk about the things of the Lord. Maybe uh, you heard a Bible study, or you had a devotion, and was reading your Bible, and a question came up. We'd love to just help you any way that we can, and take you to the Scriptures, and give you some clarity and understanding, and so give me a call, 303-690-3000 or you need prayer, or you want to pray for somebody, and certainly we want to take the time to do that. Uh, that's part of this show, is not to not only uh, look at the Scriptures as you have questions, but also to minister to you, to encourage you, to build you up. We need that more than hour, uh, more than ever, and as we go through the hour, uh, we certainly want to make that available for you. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. And then the text line is another way for you to be able to ask a question or a prayer request. It's a different number. It's 720-336-0897. So you can text me a question or a prayer request. That text line is 24-7 for prayer requests. And so you can text in your prayer requests at that text line if you're anywhere in the country. And I do want to welcome all of you who are listening live on along the front range from uh, Pueblo and Colorado Springs and up towards Monument uh, 101.7 on Grace FM, and then up in northern Colorado from Castle Rock up into southern Wyoming, uh, 89.7, welcome. And perhaps you're in traffic, maybe you're uh, taking a walk, maybe you're at home getting a snack for the kids. Uh, I know that it has changed a lot with uh, a lot of schools going to remote learning again. Up here in Greeley, they've done that. And you've had to adjust, you've had to adapt, and that's been the the key words uh, this year since the pandemic began in March, uh, to be patient. And uh, it's been difficult. And we want to bless you. We want to encourage you. So give us a call if you just need prayer or you got a question, 303-690-3000. So welcome all of you listening on this beautiful, beautiful fall day uh, here in November along the Front Range. It is a beautiful day. We're so blessed to get this nice weather when we can extend into, you know, the the fall season, late fall. And uh, so love to hear from you. Also want to welcome all those who are listening on other Christian radio stations, perhaps uh, on Hope FM, Truth FM on the East Coast, uh, such a huge audience out there. Uh, You are week delayed as you listen on the radio stations. But I do want to um, mention that 
you can call right now at that call-in number, 303-690-3000. And we'll take your call, and then you, you can listen to it a week later on your radio station, Refuge FM, uh, wherever you're listening to, some other low-power radio station that picks up uh, Calvary Live. Also, online listeners, give me a call. We have listeners from all over the country uh, that are listening from the four corners of the country and love to talk to you as well. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. We got a couple open lines Grab one of those open lines because an hour goes very quickly. Let's go to Sandra in Colorado Springs. Hi, Sandra. Sandra, are you there? Okay, Sandra, she had a question. Um, I'll try to do my best. Revelation chapter 7, verse 14 mentions washing of robes. Um does this mean that we're supposed to have a continual washing in the blood of the Lamb in our Christian life? What Revelation chapter 7, verse 14 is speaking of, uh, as I turn there, it's speaking of those, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, um, as all of a sudden after the 144,000 that are sealed by God, from 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel— uh, we see them listed there in the beginning of chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. And after that, we see this multitude um, that is there, and um, and we know that they are from every tribe's people's tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then John asks, who are these um, uh, and uh, in white robes, and where did they come from? And so the angel said, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they're just speaking of uh, believers, just speaking of them. I think we got Sandra back. Are you there, Sandra? Yes, yes. Sorry. Hello, I'm here. I, I don't know if you were listening. I started answering your question, and we kind of lost you there. But I'm going to go ahead. I don't know if you heard any of it, but was explaining that Revelation chapter 7, verse 14 is speaking those tribulation saints um, that come out of the tribulation. And I think that's a real key uh, to uh, what is asked. John doesn't know who they are. Um, he asked the angel, who are these? And you know who they they are. They're ones that come out of the Great Tribulation, washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So when we come to Jesus Christ, we're washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's speaking of believers. Um, and as uh, this reference is made, it's, it's made to those who are going to come out of the Great Tribulation. Many of them, Christians, keep in mind, are going to be martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to kind of let you kind of pick it up from there if you want to add anything or need any more clarification on that. Okay, and when I was going through this week, because it says, you know, we always have to be ready for the coming of the Lord, always repent, cultivate our spiritual garden, and yeah. we have to make sure that we have to watch our fruits, and if something's not right, we go in and pray and ask the Lord, say, hey, Lord, help me with this, but also, too, to prepare, to prepare for His coming. And 
when I read this in the book of Revelation, um, I just wanted to know if we had prayed specifically about washing our robe in the blood of the Lamb, so the Lord washes, cleanses, make us right, make us ready. If this is a constant process, one-time process, that was my question about this yeah. scripture. And I think that, you know, with this scripture, to put it with, uh, you know, what we know from scripture as well, um, there is justification um, as Romans chapters 3 four and five speak about justification. We're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When we come to Jesus Christ, then we are clothed that righteousness is imputed to us. There's a picture of it in Zechariah chapter four um, of there's Joshua the high priest. He's standing before the Lord and as you look at that vision there in Zechariah chapter 4, we see um, that Joshua, as he's there, to the people he would be seen as very, very righteous. And there is the enemy, Satan, that's accusing him. And they're before the Lord, and the Lord says to, you know, rebuke you, Satan. Um, And as we look at that very carefully, uh, we see that the Lord says, take those filthy rags off and put on new robes, new fresh robes. And actually it's, it's um, uh, chapter 3 of the book of Zechariah. Um, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments standing before the angel, and he spoke and said, Take those filthy garments from him and see I've removed your iniquity from you and I've clothed you with rich robes. We know that the book of Isaiah declares to us that we are robed with his righteousness. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags before the Lord. Um, Isaiah chapter 64. Um, so we, as you know, that's a powerful illustration, that vision of Zechariah, what happens to us spiritually when we come to salvation, that we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Um, and that's what I believe chapter 7 of Revelation is speaking of. Now there is the process of sanctification. Um, salvation comes at that moment that we come in faith in Jesus Christ, justified freely. And then sanctification is a process where he's conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. And and that's where we're growing, we're continually coming to him, uh, be holy just as he is holy, Peter writes. Uh, that is, we are pursuing righteousness. Uh, we are living for him. Should we continue in sin that grace abounds, Paul writes in that section? No, certainly not, because we identify with Christ. Um, you know, John writes in his epistle, if we sin, um, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, so it is, you know, continuing in pursuing the things of the Lord, growing in the Lord, loving the Lord, walking in the Lord. But it's all done in the Spirit. Thank you. And that was uh, my question about that. So, because um, I wanted to know how this scripture pertained, you know, how it all ties in with this, the scriptures, with um, walking in sanctification. And, you know, Sandra, I want to say one other thing that I think, you know, that verse there, too, is um, John is asked, who are these? And I think if it was the church, 
John would have known who they were, but he doesn't know who they are. So he's told that these are ones that come out of the Great Tribulation. And we do know that in chapter 13 that we're told of the book that uh, the Antichrist is going to make war with the saints. So they're going to be heavily, heavily persecuted, and they're going to, a lot of them put to death. We have the cry of um, of the fifth seal, the martyrs, in the previous chapter, in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. So uh, they're believers coming out of the Great Tribulation during that time. Yes, and that, that was my question about that, is just um, how was, you know, what— with the, how this scripture is pertaining to the rapture, the coming, the coming war of Armageddon. And right now, you know, is even right now, I don't take anything for granted, you know, to be in the word constantly working day and night and showing ourselves study to be approved, to be, um, yeah, acknowledged that, that thy yeah. good and well faithful servant does done right. But also it says that, um, and Second Corinthians seventeen through twenty one, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not our righteousness, not the righteousness world, but His righteousness, the righteousness of God in Jesus. So, right, and, and that's and I that's love, why I love how all this all ties in because it's so yeah. awesome. But there is so much work to be done. Yeah, and that's the thing that we need to really understand. We can't approach God in our own righteousness. Because as Isaiah declares, but we're all like unclean things, all of our righteousness like filthy rags, and we need to be imputed with the and you know clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that comes by faith in Jesus Christ in Him. But then you know positionally we are righteous. Practically, that's the process of sanctification of just pursuing Him and and moving forward in the things of the Lord and growing in the Lord. So, good question, sent. Sandra, you keep studying the scriptures in the book of Revelation. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. All right, 303-690-3000. I believe we got all open lines. Love for you to call. Maybe you got a question about the book of Revelation, the Lord's coming. Maybe you got a question about salvation or sanctification. Love to just talk with you and encourage you in any way that I can. Um. Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you usually on Mondays and Tuesdays and so blessed to be a part of Calvary Live and a part of your lives and uh, love to hear from you and give me a call. You can text in a question as well and uh, that number is 720-336-0897 but love for you to be able to call. Uh, we have this week, as as many of you know um, that are listening, you're involved with um Operation Christmas Child. And, you know, one of the things about this year is we've had to, you know, uh, you know, do things differently. We've had to cancel things and things that we normally do in the fall. I was talking with some of the staff here even today that, you know, usually in October we have a big chili uh, dinner with the ladies and uh, November is usually so active with things going on. And some of those things that we've had to put aside because of the pandemic and because of the increase of COVID. But one of the things that we are doing is we are collecting shoe boxes. And if you're in the 
Greeley area, and many of you are familiar with Operation Christmas Child, the shoebox ministry, such a wonderful ministry. Uh, if you are up in this area, we are collecting the shoeboxes this week. It's done a little bit differently. Uh, it is a curbside uh, drop-off, uh, and so somebody will be there uh, with mask on, and they will unload your car, and they will take the shoeboxes in and get them ready. We've been the collection uh, place for the Greeley area and parts of Weld County up here for, I believe, 17, 18 years now in a row. So I'm so blessed that we're able to do this and continue to do this this week. So if you're up in northern Colorado and you need to drop off a shoebox, look at our website, calvarychapelgreeley.org, and it has the drop-off hours. It will continue to a week from today, that Monday before Thanksgiving, the 23rd of November, and we're so blessed to be a part of this ministry. And we just pray that every shoebox is handled with care, uh, handled with love. It's a privilege to be able to continue to serve the Lord in that way. Hey, we got all open lines. Love to hear from you. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And um, give me a call, and we talk about uh, the things of the Lord. Uh, There is a prayer request that's come in for uh, a friend. Her name is Dee. Uh, been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig disease. And Father, we do pray uh, that you would bless thee. Uh, We pray that you would minister uh, to um, this precious saint. Uh, I pray for her husband, Dave, to have the strength and the stamina to uh, help his wife and to minister to her in this trial um, as long as possible. Uh, And I just pray for thee that you'd minister to her physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, as she has served you in a food pantry. And Lord, so we just pray for her. You know who she is, where she's at. We just pray for your um, just loving touch to be upon her life. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Got all open lines right now. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And uh, the text line is 720-336- 0897. We've been talking about um, uh, some of the things taking place here at Calvary Chapel. I want to remind you as well as that we are doing in-person services on Sunday. You know, one of the things that the Lord reminded me of, and I just want to remind you during this time as the holidays are approaching, is God is still working. And, you know, this weekend we had uh, people uh, make commitments to Christ um, and uh, you know, sometimes as pastors, and, and that as we've been maneuvering through this, uh, we, um, you know, really spend a lot of time praying and seeking and wondering and changing and uh, just, you know, pray for your pastor uh, during this time because it's been such a challenging time. But we don't want to forget, and maybe you're in ministry out there, that God is still working. And all of us are called to minister, all of us as believers. And God is still working in wonderful ways. He's still saving. He's still on the throne. And I pray that during this holiday season coming up, even though we have restrictions, even though we have to be careful, we we want to give preference to others, there's still ministry to do. And what I hope and pray is that you would, you know, just really seek the Lord and who you might reach out to, who you might pray to, um, who you might uh, minister to, uh, during this season of Thanksgiving and then Christmas and the New Year, 
I just want to remind you that to get our focus on the Lord, He wants to to use us in such a, a wonderful way, and we are here for such a time as this. So 303-690-3000. Let's go ahead. Let's go to Melissa in Denver. Hi, Melissa. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. 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 My, go ahead. My question is, um, why as Christians do we celebrate Christmas? Because from everything that I've researched about the holiday, it comes from like the winter solace, um, witchcraft. Like, why do we celebrate it as Christians? Because we've all well, celebrated as a family, but this year, now that I've been researching it, I feel like it's wrong and it comes from like paganism. And so, yeah. could you please tell me? <laughs> Yeah, and you know you can you can do the reading on it, and um, you know it. You can read the the pagan origins that came into the church, the winter solstice, the Yule logs, you know all the other things that that came into Christmas. And there are some people that they have a conviction of, you know, we're not going to celebrate Christmas. Um, and if that's their conviction, then I'm not going to try to change that from them. Me personally, Melissa, I don't have a problem with celebrating Christmas because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. One of the other reasons that people say that, well, you know, Jesus, um, you know, wasn't born on December 25th. We don't know when he was born. There's some that say he was born in September, October. Uh, We don't know for sure, but we do know that, you know, Christmas has been celebrated on December 25th since the earliest times of the church. Uh, there's some other resources that I've read, and I wish I could think of them, um, where that's been a long-standing tradition of December 25th. Um, but I don't have a problem with it personally. Here's here's a truth in the Scriptures. In the book of Romans, uh, in chapter 12, Paul writes that one man esteems one day above another, one man esteems every day alike. You be convinced in your own mind. And when he's talking about Christian liberty, he says, there are some that they esteem one day above another. Uh, some esteem every day alike. I'm kind of one that I esteem every day alike. And it doesn't matter you know, to me whether we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ on December 25th or on June 25th. Um, we traditionally do that. Um, and I love Christmas. I love to be able to uh, read the Christmas story uh, because it's such a magnificent story, Melissa. That at that time that Jesus was born, the people were scared. It was a time of darkness. It was a time of hopelessness. It's something that we're feeling even today. A lot of people around us, and to be able to to read that story and to talk about that our Savior of the world came and was born, to me, I have no problem with that, and. I think the key is keep Christ in the center of your Christmas. Keep it him the foundation, the very essence, the very reason why we're celebrating Christmas. And we can put aside all the paganism and all the ho-ho-hos and, and everything else that, that um, is out there. And we know that Christmas is commercialized and everything else. But for us as Christians, I believe it's a very special time for us to celebrate and the fact that born unto you in the city of David is a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. 
And and that's good news that we can proclaim. So that's my conviction, and that is my reason why I don't have any problems celebrating Christmas at all. And, you know, some people say, well, you shouldn't have a Christmas tree. Again, if if you don't want to have a Christmas tree, that's your conviction. If you can't do it in faith, Paul, Paul goes on to write in the book of Romans that if you can't do something in faith, then don't do it. It may be sin to you. But the thing is, I don't have even a problem with a Christmas tree. And, you know, some people read Jeremiah chapter 10 and about cutting the tree down and, you know, putting decorations on it or something and see you shouldn't do Christmas trees. Well, that's all centered around idol worship. Um, And when I put up a tree in my house, I'm not worshiping the tree. Um, But I also know that um, I can remember that as I put lights on the tree, that Jesus is the light of the world. I can remember that, um, that you know, that the gifts underneath the tree, that we have the greatest gift of all, and that is the free gift of salvation. Uh, the tree itself, that Jesus hung on the tree for our sins. So I think that we can really make it focused and centered and prioritized and point to and speak of Jesus Christ who came to this world and I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to all peoples. And we need that good news, don't we? We need that good news to tell the people. So, you know, it's really your conviction uh, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. So, as a family, I'm not committing a sin if I celebrate Christmas with my kids and my husband. As long as I, it's not, if it, as long as it's, the reason is because it's Jesus, right? Yeah, uh, Jesus. Okay. S- speak of him, you know, point to him. It, and the same thing, sometimes the argument is made of Easter, you know. Uh, Easter is a pagan term. Um, it speaks of bunny rabbits and, you know, all of this. And uh, it has, um, you know, a lot of paganism involved in it. <clears throat> I have no problem celebrating Easter or what we call Resurrection Weekend, because Jesus rose from the grave is good news. So, you know, for you, you know, for me, I'll speak for myself, I celebrate Christmas because I love to speak about the birth of Jesus Christ, and that's why I do that. And um, I just love to be able to speak about that. Um, You know, Melissa, one of the things was we take trips to Israel, and I remember we stay in a special place that's on the edge of Jerusalem. It's called the Ramat Raquel, uh, named after Rachel of the Bible, you know, of the Old Testament. And Rachel was buried in Bethlehem. So it's at the edge of Jerusalem. It's a cherry orchard. It's a kibbutz. And it's very beautiful. And you can walk out there in the countryside, and you can see across the Jordan Valley where Moab uh, is where it used to be the Old Testament land of Moab. It's today called Jordan. And you see the mountains over there, and that's where Ruth came from. It, Ruth, the story of Ruth, and she came over to Bethlehem, of course. And of course, we know Bethlehem is the city of David uh, where he was born, and then where Jesus was born. And I remember I was there one time, it was the first part of December, and just taking a walk, and you can see Bethlehem from where we're staying. And I remember sitting there just marveling. It, you know, it was just one of those times where the Lord just really touched my heart. 
um, thinking that somewhere in those hillsides that the creator of the universe, our Savior, was born. He wasn't born in the palaces of Rome. You know, he wasn't born in, in um, you know, this, a big city. He wasn't born. He was born in a manger and laid in a manger, in, in an animal enclosure. And that's so amazing that God would love us so much that he would send his son. And and it's just a magnificent story. And I want to tell that story this Christmas, and I want to celebrate it with my family. So that's where my convictions are. Okay, so I could read it, and you said Rome, Rome 10? Romans 10? Go to Romans chapter 12. Okay, okay Romans chapter 12. And then you said yeah. Jeremiah something. Jeremiah 10 about the Christmas tree thing. Okay? okay. Hey, we're okay. at Thank break, so, so thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Hey, grab one of those open lines. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. So glad that you can join us on this Monday. Pray that you're well, you're blessed, you're healthy. Love to hear from you, so give me a call. we got uh, open lines, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. So I'd love to talk to you. Maybe you got a question about the Bible, or uh, maybe you have someone you want to pray for, or you need prayer yourself. I'd love to talk with you and um, and be able to minister to you any way I know how. Uh, Joshua, you are holding, and you wanted prayer for your uh, visit for your nephew here in Greeley. So I want to go ahead and pray, and I know you may be driving, and maybe you had to to, um, get off the line, Um, but uh, give me a call back if you can. If not, it'll take some time. Well, why don't we go ahead and pray right now? So, Father, I pray for Joshua as he's ready to go see uh, his nephew in uh, here in Greeley, I pray that as he talks to him about the Lord and the things of the Lord, that you would just minister to his nephew, open up his eyes spiritually, soften his heart. Lord, just give the words for Joshua uh, and just help his trip to be safe as he comes from uh, southern Wyoming there. And I just pray that you would keep him uh, safe on the roads and, Lord, that you would work and that you would just minister and that, Lord, um, that you would just be uh, magnified and glorified in every way. And Lord, just touch his nephew and that he would receive the things that are said in truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um, love to hear from you. Uh, One of the things, too, Melissa, as we were talking about Christmas, and I was giving her some scripture, and that is one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Uh, Melissa, I said that was Romans 12. That's actually Romans chapter 14, verse 5. And sorry about that, but Romans chapter 14. And uh, so hopefully you're listening, you'll find it. And that's that reference there. And, and um, you know, Paul's talking about our liberty in Christ. And and uh, and I'm one, as I said, that I esteem every day alike. And 
Uh, I, I just love to talk about the Lord, the things of the Lord every single day, whether it's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't just talk about it on uh, Resurrection Weekend or Easter Weekend. Uh, the birth of Jesus Christ uh, at Christmas time, other times as well. So um, just wanted to encourage her in that. 303-690-3000. This is Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs with you on this beautiful day here in Colorado. Love to hear from you and all you who are listening. And the text line is 720-336-0897. That's the text line. It's open 24-7 for you to be able to text in a prayer request. But during the show, uh, we will go to the text lines as time permits, and we will uh, look at those text messages, and we will respond to them. So I'd love to hear from you. Uh, got a couple open lines. Let's go to Carl in Fort Collins. Hey there. How are you, Carl? Doing pretty good. Um, I had a question. Uh, You were talking about Romans 12 earlier, and I decided to flip there and browse through it. And I came to verse 9, love must be sincere. Hey, what is evil? Cling to what is good. Um, And my question is, how do you know that your love for others and your love for God is sincere? As I've been like, uh, as I've had more time for reflection recently, I've just been evaluating, I guess, the quality of my of my love for people, and, I, and I'm starting to get concerned that uh, there's a, th- there's more selfish motive behind it than I thought at first. Yeah, and that's a good question. And so there was a reason. Um, you know, I was talking to Melissa, and I I gave that reference of Rev- uh, Romans 12, and I had to correct it and say, no, it's R- Romans 14. But I think maybe the Lord wanted you to hear that so you can read Romans 12 and come with this uh, question that's a very important question because Paul in this, you know, it's interesting, the book of Romans, He, as you go through Romans, and this is part of Paul's epistles, um, is that he tells us, you know, what Christ has done for us, um, who we are in Christ, the blessings of Christ, the salvation of Christ. He does that in Ephesians. He does that with Romans. So, uh, chapters, you know, one, two, and three, we're all sinners. We need Jesus. Chapters uh, three, four, and five, a salvation uh, and justification uh, in Christ. Chapters uh, five uh, or six, seven, and eight, uh, we see sanctification, uh, the work of Christ in our lives. And then nine, ten, eleven, he talks about Israel. Then in chapter twelve, he talks about how we should live, and that's the section that you know. Now that you are justified, he's sanctifying you. This is how you live for Christ. And I love this section because it's kind of this rapid fire of instructions that are given to us. And uh, he talks about in verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So our love is to be without hypocrisy. And there's a difference, uh, Carl, between worldly love and godly love. Um, the Bible uses different kinds of the word love um, in the scriptures. And, uh, and love that has hypocrisy isn't real love. Uh, it masquerades as love. And so what we are to do is love people with the love of Jesus Christ. And a good way to know that, agape love, God's love, and that is you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you read what love is. And and here's the thing. You can read that love suffers long, um, and it's kind. It does not envy, does not 
parade itself, not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. So you can look at what God gives the definition of agape love, God's love. And um, and here's the real test of it, Carl, is where that word love is, you can put your name in there. Uh, see how you're doing. You can put Jesus' name in there. Jesus suffers long, yes. Jesus is kind, yes, perfectly. Jesus does not envy, does not parade himself. You put Jesus' name in there, it fits perfectly, because Jesus is love. God is love. Put my name in there, um, I can see how I'm doing. Love suffers long. Uh, Sometimes I do. (laughs) You know, uh, um, Jeff suffers long. Jeff is kind. Sometimes I'm kind. You see what I'm saying? That's the gauge in which we can line up to see if our love is um, without hypocrisy. And it is a love, the love of Christ being radiated as we love him being worked out in our lives. And uh, so that's a help. That's a help for me to line it up with 1 Corinthians 13 to see where we're at. Gotcha. Thank you. You bet. Good question. Because always remember, there's a difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. There is a difference between worldly love. The world comes along and pollutes love, um, has all kinds of weird definitions of love. But then God gives his definition of godly love, and it's a lot different than the world. And I think 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a good definition of that. All right? Awesome. Thank you. You bet, Carl. Blessings to you. All right. All right. 303-690-3000. And, and, you know, none of us love perfectly. It's a love that God continues to grow us in and works through. And um, that's why I like to put my name in there, uh, where the word love is, agape love, to see how I'm doing, how, you know, um, I line up with what the Scripture says. And it's pretty convicting when I do that. And um, but, you know, the Lord is good, and he's faithful, and he'll continue to work in our lives um, when it comes to loving people and um, and putting that love in our hearts towards others. 303-690-3000. The text line is 720-336-0897. That first number I gave you is the call-in number. Got a couple open lines. Let's go to Devon in Maryland. Hi, Devon. How are you? I'm pretty well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks you for calling Calvary Live. Appreciate it. Okay. Yes. Um, my question was, I was reading in Psalm 119. There's a couple of scriptures, but it says, um, when you seek God with all your heart. So what is actually meant by seeking God with all your heart? Well, I, I think, you know, and that's also, we were just talking about God's love um, in the previous caller. And then seeking God's with all of your heart, I believe that you have a heart that is soft towards the Lord, that is tender towards the Lord. You have a heart that really desires to draw close to Him. And, you know, there are sometimes things in my heart, when I really read that, that convicts me. Seeking God with all your heart. It's not just a head knowledge. Because sometimes I talk to people that, you know, they they know the Bible, they 
can quote scripture, but it's it's all intellectual. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It's the heart. And we know that the the scriptures talk about believing with all of your heart, seeking God with all of your heart. Um, God is the one that truly knows the heart, and none of our hearts are perfect, right? Um, but it's just a heart that is tender, that is sensitive to the things of the Lord, that is a heart that is soft towards the Lord, that is a heart, speaking of the depth of your heart, your soul, that says, Lord, I just want to know you, and I seek you, and I want to hear from you, and I want to walk with you, and I want to enjoy you, and I I just want to seek you with my heart. That's really the meaning of it, uh, seeking God with all of your heart. And, and Lord, um, because the Bible talks a lot about the condition of the heart. The Bible talks about a clean heart. The Bible talks about a pure heart. Matter of fact, Paul talks about to Timothy that we are to minister with a good conscience and sincere faith in a pure heart. And you know what? I wish I could say that I had a pure heart, but there's things in my heart that get in there, the anger, the other things, and I have to continually present my heart to the Lord like David did in the Psalms and says, Lord, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. So the heart is the very center of our soul and um, in our being. And that's what we're to seek the Lord with, not just with the intellectual exercise, but truly, Lord, I want to have a heart for you. I want to be soft towards you. I want to have a tender heart. I want to have a heart that is good soiled so I can receive the seed of the word. I believe those are all things that, that the Bible really emphasizes to you and to me. Wow, okay. Yes, I've read it a few times. I'm like, well, what does that actually mean? I was thinking it's just like reading scriptures and just looking at the word, but so just allow God to penetrate your heart with the word. All right? Yeah, and and that's true. And, you know, just presenting your heart to him and saying, Lord, here it is. And, you know, he's the one that changes our hearts. And Mm -hmm. he's the one that dwells in our hearts. And, you know, um, I don't want anything in my heart that is unpleasing to you or grieves you. So I think it's just just really being sensitive in our souls, you know, uh, in our hearts, um, that's what it speaks of um, to the Lord and desiring to know him more and to walk with him and to come to him. Um, you know, sometimes we'll see somebody that's really, um, you know, close to the Lord. and You'll say, wow, you have a heart for the Lord. You know, you have a heart for the things of the Lord. And um, and, and that's what it speaks of. So what is meant by precepts and concepts, knowing those? God's precepts and concepts. No, knowing God's word is very important, and mm-hmm. but you know one of the things is um, we're going through Matthew's gospel here in Greeley mm-hmm. on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and Jesus he gets angry with the religious leaders, and the religious leaders he said to them twice in Matthew's gospel, you know, in chapter nine, and then again in chapter twelve. He says, mm-hmm. go and learn what this means, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The religious leaders looked at the people with contempt. They, they were all about their rules and regulations. Uh, they were upset at Jesus because they felt he didn't keep the Sabbath. He had called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow after him. And, and 
you know, Jesus, what he was saying to them, that you religious leaders, you're all about your rules, your regulations. They knew the scriptures. They boasted in knowing the scriptures. They knew Mm -hmm. they could tell you every chapter about the book of Isaiah, how many words were in the book of Isaiah. They could tell you the middle word of the book of Isaiah. But here was the problem. They didn't know the heart of God. And we read the scriptures to know him, and and theology is important. Knowing the Bible is very important. Knowing his truths and the precepts are very important. But it's more than just an intellectual exercise. The reason that we do it is to know him. That's the most important thing in our lives, is to know him personally. It isn't just about religion. It's about relationship with him and then being established in that truth. So theology is very important. Knowing the scriptures, we know that, that God desires for us to know his word. But what it does is it brings us closer to him, to know him more, to love him more. Because as I study God in his character, in his love, in his forgiveness, in his grace, I can't help but love him more. And um, and my heart is touched by him. And and Lord, I thank you so much. And it's like, wow, the love of God. And I remember when I first became a Christian that I remember hearing the scriptures and I remember sitting there going, oh, the love of God, the love of God. I, I can't believe it, that he would love somebody like me. And um, because it was touching my heart and piercing my heart so much. So we study the scriptures, not just we do theology is very important. If you come to my church, Bible study is very, very important. It's a priority. But there's a reason for it, and that is to know him. So hopefully that helps. Yes, that did help. Thank you so much. Bless you. Okay, God Thanks bless for you calling. Well. You bet. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. So we got some time here in the show. I do want to go to uh, Maryland, where Judy has been waiting. Hi, Judy. Yeah, hi. I have How a question, are you? please. Go ahead. Fire away. Okay. The scripture that says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it was good or evil, does that also pertain to the Christians? Yes. When Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, he's writing about, in the first part of that chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's writing about the resurrection, how we're going to get new bodies. For this tent we groan, being burdened because we want to be unclothed, further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And then, in the next verse, he says, Now he who has purposed us for this very thing also has given us the spirit of, of guarantee, Then he goes on in verse 10 to say that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you, Judy. When I first read that, when I was a young Christian, that kind of scared me. Um, And I thought, oh, no, do I have to work for my salvation? Do I have to earn my salvation? Um, I'm going to be judged for what I did. But here's the thing. The Greek word for this is that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bamer reward seat of Christ. That's the Greek word. When the Corinthians would read that, they would know exactly what Paul was writing about. Because in ancient, you know, times, uh, in Corinth, uh, which was, um, you know, uh, in in Greece, and um, they had the the famous Isthmus games, uh, just as they had the ancient 
Roman Games, the Olympic Games, right? The winners of those events would stand on what was called the Bema Reward Seat. And he goes on to explain that knowing that you're going to be judged according to what you've done in the body, whether good or bad. It's very important for us to, as Christians to understand we will appear before the Bema Reward Seat of Christ not to be judged for our sins. Jesus took that judgment upon the cross of Calvary. But we are going to be judged for what we have done in the body. In other words, the Bible talks a whole lot about rewards that are going to be given to you and to me for what we have done for Christ, whether good or bad. Now, I'll give you another reference. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and as you read that chapter, Paul's talking about that all of our works are going to be tried by fire. And our works are likened to wood, hay, and stubble, or is going to be likened into precious metals, gold, silver, precious metals. So when we stand at the Bema reward seat of Christ, the things that we did that were wood, hay, and stubble are going to burn up. Uh, all of our works tried by fire. And the things that we did for Christ, for the kingdom, a motivation out of love for him and, and desire to see the kingdom of God, you know, um, be benefited and blessed out of love for people. Those things are gold, silver, and precious metals, and we'll be rewarded for those things. So all of our works will be tried by fire at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. Again, not judged for our sins. That's already been taken care of, and we're going to be rewarded. So the Bible talks about rewards. Uh, Jesus gives the parable, the talents and the minas, the things that were given to us as we invested, uh, you know, those things. We're going to be rewarded in eternity because when we go to heaven, we're not just going to be sitting on a cloud, you know, playing the harps. We're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to be given responsibilities and and we're going to be rewarded. And one of the last verses that we have in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, uh, some of the last words of Jesus is, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So the things that we've done for Christ, that's what's going to last. Everything else is going to burn up. Good. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. Also, Paul writes the same thing in the book of Romans, chapter 14, that we will all stand before the judgment seat. But um, And that's why, you know, it's really important that, that um, as we live through life that, you know, hey, what we do for Christ, um, it, it's, that's what's going to last. The things that we do for this world, the rewards of this world are going to go away. But there's eternal rewards that are going to be given for what we did for the Lord. None of our work for the Lord is in vain. And I, I just want to mention that because I'm sure that there are some out there, Judy, that are thinking, I work for the Lord, I work for the Lord. Um, the Lord knows everything, and he's going to reward us accordingly. Matter of fact, Jesus said that he will give reward to the person who brings a cup of water to a child. And I think all of us can do that, can't we? Um, we think it's the Billy Grahams and the, you know Chuck Smiths and the Greg Lorries and all those who have wonderful, incredible ministries are the ones that are going to be rewarded. And they they will be rewarded. 
and, and God is using them and have used, you know, Pastor Chuck and, and Billy Graham in a wonderful way. But he wants to use all of us, and he wants to reward us for what the opportunities have been given to us and the gifts that he gives to us to invest in the kingdom, and he'll reward us greatly. If you give a cup of water to a child, you're going to be rewarded for all eternity. I, I think it's so neat. Praise God. Praise God. So your labor is not in vain. Keep doing the work of the ministry. Yes, thank you so much. I do appreciate that. And could you just please um, pray for my brother Rico? His name is Rico. His name is Ricardo, but we call him Rico. He just, um, he's still in the hospital, um, diabetic, and they just cut off, amputated his second toe on his um, foot. Yeah, absolutely. Father, we pray for Rico as uh, he's diabetic and, and the circulation uh, it begins to affect the toes. Um, the feet, and I just pray that uh, you would help him in the recovery, um, in the rehab. But Lord, I pray that there be no more issues and problems. And uh, Lord, I just pray you be with him, bring comfort to him, minister to him, to his body, to his feet, to his um, to be able to 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 be able to walk, um, uh, and to be able to to be mobile. I just pray that you'd help him with this disease that he has, um, Lord. To to be able to manage it, uh, even bring healing to him, Lord. And we just lift him up to you, to Rico, as he's in the hospital, that he'd be able to go home before the holidays soon here. And, um, and Lord, just uh, bless him physically, emotionally, spiritually, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. You bet. Absolutely. God bless you. Thank you. You bet, Judy. Thanks for calling. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Let's go to Ivan in Denver. Hi, Ivan. Hello, Pastor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for calling. Okay. Well, I just have a, a situation here. Well, I uh, I was in the military, and I uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, a very nice person sometimes. And uh, I was raised a uh, Catholic it's ever since mm-hmm. I can remember. And so the Holy Spirit was with me all the time, and I knew it because every time that I was sinning, he was right there saying, you know, you shouldn't do that, you know. And I thought, well, I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I felt the guilt after that, but, you know, I kept on doing it. So fast forward all these years, um, I lost my wife after 20 years. She divorced me, 20 years Mm -hmm. plus. And just because of my arrogance and everything, uh, you know, so that just kind of like was a, a, a wide-opening experience for me. So, uh, you know, I was on my own, and, you know, I started listening to, uh, I, I can't read much because of the uh, mental illness, because of the PTSD and stuff, so I listened to the yeah. audio Bible, and Good. I started really getting into it. And, uh, you know, so I really started, you know, trying to make amends and doing penance, and there's never enough penance I could do. I, I'm just so, so in the hole with that. And uh, and and I feel that you know, as I confess my sins of the I remember them. I my faith feels that I am being forgiven. But the people that I've hurt the most, I still feel the guilt for that, and I don't know how to deal with that. You know, I'm not sure that right. you know they're just supposed to see that in me, and it's supposed to be all be gone. Yeah. I don't think that's true. But you know, and I'm you doing you know the best that I right. can to show them. Yeah, but I don't and know it's going to take time, Ivan. 
And, you know, um, we just got a couple minutes and I just, one of the things I want to emphasize to you, I want to encourage you is it's important as you move forward that you do what is right. Um, because sometimes when we go through life, when we've hurt people or, you know, we've acted a certain way, we can put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. But what's going to be important that from this time forward that you just do what is right. You pray, you continue to hear the word as you have the audio Bible, allow the Lord uh, to minister to you. And then over time, just pray, Lord, that they may see the reality of Jesus in me. And it may take a little bit of time, but just to have that tender heart and to move forward. And the Lord is the one that can work healing and restoration and bring new beginnings in those relationships and let the people see the Lord working in your heart. Because sometimes uh, I've heard it that some people say, well, you say you're a Christian. I I really want to see it. Just take time, be in the Word, move forward, do what is right right now and uh, what is right to others and be patient and, um, and just allow the Lord to work. And He's the one that can do that. So, Father, I do pray. I pray for... Uh, Lord, for Ivan, I thank you for his service, um, for his sacrifice for our nation. And Lord, um, but he needs you right now. And I, and I pray that you would just minister your word to his heart. And as he realizes that relationships were severed and strained because of his actions, that Lord, that, um, that uh, you would just help him to move forward in doing what is right and good in your sight that you would bring um, just the forgiveness that's needed, the, uh, Lord, that people would see the reality of Jesus in him, and that he would desire to just please you in every way, that you would just do that work in mending these relationships and moving forward without the guilt. In Jesus' name, amen. Ivan, blessings to you. Hey, thanks, everybody, for today's show. You've we'll been see you listening next time. to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.